Chapter 14 of Arona, The History of the Taronks While we stayed with Russo, Jack, who is quite a history buff, and I spent many hours reading over Russo's books and his extensive library. They were filled with fascinating stories of Arona, detailing this world's long history. Anytime we would read something that related to Earth, Jack would copy it down. I tried to talk to Koro, the same tattoo-covered man who led us from Wart to Russo. I had so many questions for him, but he said he was too busy. The following is his account of how he came from Earth to Arona many years ago. From the Library of Russo, The History of the Taronks, Volume 2, Koro's Account. My real name is Hovap Chi Anokul, but in the world of Arona, I am known as Koro, which means the Great Offering. I was born in the year 854 AD, based on the Christian timeline of Earth. This is my story. It was just like any other morning. I awoke to the familiar sounds of our colony. The howler monkeys were busy swinging through the trees, singing their eerie song, while I made my way down the winding path through the dense jungle. I headed out to collect water for my wife, three daughters, and elderly parents, as I did every morning. I was bending down, filling up my bucket, when I heard the splashing of water in front of me. I looked up to see mysterious warriors entering the other side of the river. As I watched, somewhat entranced, they began to walk across the river and waste high water. These strange men were completely covered with red and black tattoos, and they wore feathered headdresses and jaguar skin capes. They had shaved bald heads and held short, jagged stone daggers in their hands. I quickly looked down the river and saw more of the warriors inching out of the jungle, entering the river without saying a word. My eyes locked with the one closest to me, and my body went cold. The evil in his eyes sent chills up my spine. I watched with growing terror as he continued to walk slowly and assuredly towards me, silently closing the gap. I was startled as a horn blew out and drums began to beat. Just then, I heard a scream from the direction of my village. I dropped my bucket and ran to see what was happening. I needed to warn the others of the incoming outsiders. I feared for the lives of my loved ones. Once back, I could see several of the village huts engulfed in flames and my people trying to flee from the intruders, some of them with their clothes on fire. I watched as these tattooed warriors cut down my people, men, women, and children alike, as they tried to escape into the safety of the jungle. My small remote community had been completely surrounded by these terrible, murderous invaders. I ran to my hut, desperately searching for my loved ones, only to find my family missing. I went outside and saw our chief in the distance on his knees. He was encircled by invaders and I watched in horror as one of the men cut off his head and then held it up by the hair before tossing it to the side as he yelled out. My heart sunk, and I grieved for the man I'd known all my life. 
We were a peaceful people. I had never even hit a man, let alone killed one. Our village was a great distance from any other. Only once in my life had I traveled to another town, and it resembled my own village. I was not prepared for this savagery. I had not been trained to be a warrior, but I was determined to fight for my fellow villagers and my family. I picked up a large stick lying near my feet. I was filled with anger as I cried out and ran towards the man who had executed our beloved chief. Before I could reach him, another man leaped in front of me. I swung the stick as hard as I could, but as it was about to hit him, he grabbed my forearm and headbutted me, knocking me unconscious. I woke up to a splash of cold water being thrown on my face. Get up, you fool, or I will cut you in half and gnaw on your bones, said a man as he spit on me. My hands were tied with some kind of rope that was connected to my neck. I was tied to another man who was bound like I was, and he to another, and so on. There were dozens of us all tied together as we were driven like animals by the whip. My village was now in flames, and I could see many of my friends and relatives lying dead and bloody in the dirt. I remember thinking how much I wanted to kill these evil men. Never before I wanted to take a life. Now it was all I could think about. Who are these devils, I thought, and where are they taking us? We were driven through the jungle for many days. How many, I can't recall. We passed through familiar land, and then we entered territory I had never set eyes on. On and on it went, over mountain passes and rivers. One day, we retired to some large trees under the guard of a few of these devils, while the rest went out on the hunt. After what seemed like hours, we heard screaming in the distance. The savages reappeared, pulling a large group of captives in their wake. Those unable or unwilling to walk were cut down and left where they lay. It made me sick to watch how freely they took life from innocence. Not only were these men gruesomely killing men, women, and children, but they seemed to truly enjoy it. I felt cursed, certain that only death or torture awaited us at our destination. Our journey continued on and several others from my village died during the exhaustive march. It wasn't for lack of trying, they simply couldn't walk anymore. Finally, late one afternoon, we arrived. I remember stepping out of the thick jungle into a large field of some type of crop. There in front of us, in a great expanse, was the most magnificent thing I had ever seen. Towers of stone, like mountains, touched the heavens. This was the city of Yaxmutal, known today on earth as Tikal, capital of the most powerful kingdom of the people you now call the Mayans. I remember hearing rumors of such a place when I was a boy, but I never dreamed I would visit, and the event was, of course, not a pleasant one since I'd arrived as a prisoner. We pressed on through the city streets that were crowded with thousands of finely dressed taronks, as these people would eventually be called on the world of Arona, in colorful flowing robes. They yelled and cheered as we passed by. Many of them ran over to us to get a better look, pointing and laughing. 
I heard several say that the offerings had arrived. At the time, I didn't really know what that meant. Eventually, we reached the base of one of the tallest temples, which had to be over 200 feet tall. There, at the foot of the great steps that led up to the main altar, was a group of small wooden cages. My greatest fears were realized as we were pushed into them. For the rest of that day, many Toronks came to get a look at us, their offerings. Some gave thanks, others said nothing and only looked on, and still others laughed and mocked us, saying we would soon be dead. That night, I couldn't sleep. I tried to break free of my bonds and out of our wooden cage with no success. I counted over 40 of us crammed together. Many cried throughout the night. I stayed up until it became light and watched as the large plaza at the base of the temple started to fill with thousands of taronks. Several hours later, when the sun seemed to reach the center of the sky, the crowd stood and began to cheer. By now, the plaza was completely full. Hundreds of thousands of screaming men, women, and children shouting, A cat! A cat! A cat! I looked up to the top of the pyramid and could see a man covered in tattoos with a large red headdress and a flowing long red robe. He pointed to us and the crowd erupted into a frenzied chant. A cat! A cat! A cat! They repeated louder and louder. Another man, dressed in a black hooded robe and also covered in tattoos, came over to our cage. He looked inside, making eye contact with me for a second before turning away. He pointed to a male captive crouched beside me. This man was taken out of the cage by two warriors and marched up the steep pyramid temple steps. I watched helplessly as this man's hands and feet were strapped to the stone altar. Two other black-robed men came around to the altar. They held sharp stones in their hands and some kind of white paint. I saw them dip the stones in the white paint and watched in horror as they began tattooing the man. I couldn't hear him scream, for the crowd was too loud, but I could see his body tremble with pain. I then saw the man named Akat walk forward, approaching the stone altar. He also held a dagger in his hand. To my horror, he drove the knife into the man's chest, extracting his heart and taking a bite before raising it to the sky. The crowd went wild and the chants became even louder. He then grabbed the man's hair and struggled to cut off his head, holding it high before tossing it down the stairs. I heard screams and gasps from those in the cage with me as we watched the head bounce down the stone stairs and roll to a stop near the base of our cage. We had been captured by monsters. I felt sick and threw up, as did many others around me. As soon as it was over, the priest walked back to our cage. He again looked me in the eyes as I wiped the sick from my mouth. He then signaled for the warriors to grab me. Was this really happening? I didn't understand how this could be happening to me. Just days ago, I was happy in my peaceful village, 
playing in the river with my beautiful sweet daughters and lovely wife. I was taken up the steep stairs, dotted with the blood from the falling head and tied to the blood-soaked altar, just as the man before me. I looked up to the sky and begged the great spirit to watch over my family. I hardly felt any pain as they tattooed my face and body with the white paint. I felt a strange sense of peace come over me as I stared up at the dark clouds slowly moving across the sky. Thunder rumbled and blue lightning shot down from the heavens all around us. I had never seen anything like it. I felt a cat grab my hair, his dagger above my chest as blue rain fell down on us and I saw him look up into the now blackened sky. The thunder continued as if sending me off with a dramatic boom. I heard a deafening crash and saw the lightning lance across the sky sideways. Everything around me went bright blue and the next thing I knew, I was falling through trees. I heard a chorus of screams around me and I only had a second to wonder what was happening when I crashed to the ground with a painful grunt. I groaned and noticed that my hands were still bound and I counted my blessings that I wasn't badly hurt from the fall. I lay there for a few seconds and watched in muted horror as countless others fell from the sky, crashing through the branches, some of them landing on one another. I looked above, and just as I thought I should seek safety, I was struck by a large woman who'd landed on me. The wind had been knocked out of me, and I quickly pushed her off as she began screaming for help. I stood up and looked around, seeing bodies everywhere, with more falling every second barely missing me. These were the same people from the plaza, my captors. I climbed over them as quickly as I could, stumbling several times. Then I heard one of them yell, The Othering! Don't let him escape! As I was climbing over the piles of bodies, one of the men, who was pinned under several other bodies, grabbed my foot. I struck him in the face with my other foot to escape. As I broke free, I was knocked down from another body, a child, falling from the sky. I stood up and saw a clearing not far off. I finally made it out and ran for hours through the strange forest, never looking back. I wandered in this new land for days, searching for my village, not realizing that I was in fact in a completely different world. I was alone and terrified that I might be captured again and sacrificed. Luckily, I was able to break free of my bounds by cutting them off against a sharp rock's edge. Eventually, I came to the realization that I was never going to see my home again, and long years passed as I struggled to survive on my own. I built many hidden shelters and used my skills to forage and hunt strange creatures. I was terrified to be captured again and saw Taronk Jaguar Royas pass me many times. One day while I was walking, I stupidly let myself be caught in a hidden net trap. I struggled to escape. Just when I'd finally bitten through the rope and dropped to the ground, I heard men quickly approaching. As I ran off, I felt myself suddenly pulled backwards by a rope that had been thrown around my neck. 
to my horror, I once again had been captured by the Taronks, but this time, my experience was different. Once they saw my white tattooed face, the reaction wasn't what I was expecting, and I was immediately untied. The warriors simply ushered me along. Being surrounded, I didn't feel I had much choice. I was taken some distance until we came to a magnificent city under construction, even more grand and expansive than Tikal. The people once again cheered and rushed to see me and touch me, but this time I was paraded through the crowds on the shoulders of my captors. Eventually, I learned that King Akat had now pardoned me and made me a hero known as Koro, the Great Offering, the one responsible for the journey to Arona. He believed Arona to be the next level of heaven and was now constantly sending his many warriors in search of the next great offering, believing that it would elevate him and his people to an even higher paradise, increasing his godly power. I didn't know what to do. I was disgusted with the Tronks and their now lavish treatment of me. These people had likely murdered my family. I couldn't stand to be near them for one second longer. In the midst of one of the many celebrations in my honor, I left the city and returned to struggling to survive on my own. I'd become a fierce warrior over the years, hardened by the jungle and the many creatures who wished to take my life in the wilderness. One day, I encountered a man who was traveling with a group of traders, seeking help with his growing enterprise. He spoke a tiny bit of my language as he had started to trade with the Taronks, who spoke a very similar language to me. We became friends, and he offered me work as a translator, which I accepted. He is an extremely wise and curious man, and has asked me to make a record of my history, which I have done here. This is how I came to work for the great Rousseau. That's it for chapter 14 of Verona and the history of the Taronks. I felt it was necessary to include this account so that you can better understand the Taronks and where they come from. In the next chapter, we'll continue right where we left off with Troy, his brothers, and their friends on board their ship to Newdonia. Thanks for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe.